You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Tasmania right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we've got David Maxwell joining us from Launceston. Uh, Welcome, David. (laughs) How are you, Jason? I'm very good, thank you. How are you today? Very well, thanks. Excellent. Well, it's great to have you back on our program every Thursday Mm. on your series, Reflecting Jesus. Yeah, thanks. Uh, David, um, you always share something at the beginning of your program in terms of, lately you've been sharing blessings of your uh, ministry and your, um, I guess, your work walk in uh, in your relationship with God. Mm. What have you got for us today? Yeah, I guess the blessings today centre around, well, I guess for many people it's work. For me, it's work and life, uh, and that's the that's the, uh, the pastoral ministry that my wife and I are involved in, and uh, we really enjoy the different avenues of ministry and one of the things that we have been asked to assist with and in this sense I'm the assistant and Mary is the leader of family ministries Uh, and because women do much better I think in managing families often than men do even though men are the leaders in many aspects women lead uh, in a different aspect they lead behind the scenes often with the care and the attention and all those things so being a part of family ministries has been really uh, it's been an exciting time while we've been here in uh, Launceston I've I've really enjoyed being involved with uh, assisting Mary with you know the planning and the preparation and uh, you know being the person behind the scenes for the ladies camp making sure that uh, the music uh, is has been organized and the, that the program is set up well and all of those sorts of things and last year we unfortunately the within half an hour of us starting the camp uh, COVID locked us up. You remember there was that person who moved around in Hobart and yes. and locked up half the state. And that was just half an hour before we were due to start our camp. And we had to get out of that area. And we got out with about two minutes to spare um, in that in that bottom half of uh, Hobart. And we had to do something completely different mm. with uh, the guest speaker, which was interesting. But we don't want that this year. So it's been really good involved in the ladies camp that's coming up again in October. We we did a men's camp earlier in the year uh, that was really well received. We've had different special speakers come share on important family ministry matters uh, different places we had a man by the name of pastor neil thompson come down near hobart and that was just a real real blessing to have these speakers come from interstate and speak on these topics that really matter to family so you know conflict management and other things like that so for me that that's been a real blessing being involved in something as I said, that other people might see as work, but I see it as you know just enlarging our ministry. Mm. You've got something coming up uh, in that area soon. Sort of, it's not family oriented, more couples oriented, isn't it? Coming up, correct. In so, couples in Richmond on the eighteenth yep. of September, and if you're in the Hobart area on the nineteenth, you'll see some advertising coming out for Monday the nineteenth. Pastor Neil Thompson is going to speak at the Hilliard Christian School uh, on. 
stress raising families in the 21st century, something along those lines. And so watch out for some advertising for that on the 19th of the evening. Okay. Well, keep stay tuned for that, and uh, no doubt mm. we'll mention it again before that time. Mm. Um, so just a reminder for our past episodes. Uh, last week, um, we will, we'll just do a summary of that shortly. We uh, our, The program of our title last week, do you remember what that was called, um, David? Yeah, it was uh, it was uh, assisting the afflicted and casting out demons, and that yeah. was a very a very deep program, I feel, uh, and it did uh, get some responses, didn't it? It did, and we'll share those. Um, mm. We had a couple of people texting in who have had some sort of experience or um, interaction in rega- regards to this topic. Mm. Um, Margie texted in uh, to say that her full story is a bit long, but um, she says that uh, in her experience that she experienced a a person who seemed to get very angry and uh, she could sense when they were angry that they were um, being possessed by um, an evil spirit. Mm. Uh, And then later... um, they were baptized, and uh, she she says that she wished she had have known that she could call out to Jesus at that time because the the man tormented them for more than a month, mm. and uh, she really uh, now knows that she can call out to God and trust in God, and uh, He will deliver from those circumstances. Mm. Um, mm. Another response was from Chris, who said that um, he thinks that demonic possession occurs in those susceptible to it Mm. what what might be david um you know what things yeah what could we do to be susceptible what would make us susceptible how can we avoid that yeah that's a really good question because that sort of reflects around the person i was mentioning as well there are certain things in your life that you can do that open avenues for satan to come in Mm. And often people don't even realize that it can be through music, it can be through movie choices, it can be through, surprisingly, when you visit overseas where demonic um, powers are very, very prevalent. Mm. So sometimes in island cultures, sometimes in other cultures, um, I I can't really, you know, I'd rather not, you know, put my finger on a particular culture because it depends Mm. where you are and what they like. But in some of those cultures, they have uh, emblems, they have artifacts, they have different sorts of things that they use in devil worship. And And sometimes unknowingly people can buy those and bring them back and put them in their houses and they invite Satan in and trouble starts happening in their houses. And that's been been well known for many, many years. Mm. We've had some pastors who've had to deal with that. In in some cultures, it's almost part of the culture, isn't it? The uh, that this belief in evil powers and evil spirits. That's it. And yeah. so, to avoid those sorts of things, is you could speak to somebody who is uh, aware of those sorts of things, and ask them. You know, or look, we're having some problems in our house or within our family, or you know, what sort of things should we be looking for? And mm. and they could help you with that and maybe come around to your house and have a look at what's happening. Um, Other things that you can do personally is, uh, like Maggie said, or Margie said, sorry, you can can ask Jesus to rule in your life 
and ask him to convict you of things that might be causing an issue. Mm. And when you do that, he will actually make it quite make you quite aware of the things in your life that need to change, whether they be internal or external. Mm. Well, if you want to go back and have a listen to our past episodes, they're available on the Faith FM Australia app and also um, on the website, faithfm.com.au. You can download uh, the app from the App Store, from the Google or Apple App Store, and uh, listen to our live programs and all of our past programs as well. Mm. Um, so, David, what uh, are we going to be talking about today? Yes, yeah, so t- today we're continuing in the series of Reflecting Jesus, and we're looking at uh, how we personally can reflect Jesus in our life. And we, we know that there's a real need in the world today to actually show others what people who are going to be part of the kingdom of God are going to be like um, because we don't see God physically and so he asks that we represent him. Mm. So this week I want to look at how we help others in this endeavour by equipping them in a number of ways like Jesus did. But before the break I have a listener question for this week that I'd like people to think about and, and text in if they can. Have you ever been responsible for teaching others anything anything at all and if so how did you go about it so I'm, I'm interested in knowing the process that you used to teach somebody effectively so my example is i was once asked to be a marching instructor for pathfinders because mm. i was ex-military <laughs> and i knew how to march yeah <laughs> So the, the way I did it, I use a three-step process. So I explained to them what I wanted them to do. So I, you know, I explained, you know, you've got to use this foot when you use this arm and don't use them together because you look like a penguin, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And then I had to show them what I meant and how I wanted them to march. Mm. And then I got them to practice it. Mm. So you explain, then show, and then practice. And we'll talk about the different methods of learning as we go through today. But that was how I used, that was the method I used for teaching others something. And I found it a very effective method going forward in teaching people anything. Mm. But I'd be interested to know the methods that other people used. Yeah, it seems to be a common one uh, to... uh explain it explain the theory show that in practice or demonstrate and then Mm. uh, have a practice yourself i think that's um, Mm. always useful i think if you don't practice yourself you're missing a major step so yeah that's right we're going to go to a break so as we do have a think about that question have you ever been responsible for teaching someone something anything whatever it is share it with us what was your experience how did you do it Right now, this is Look to Jesus by Phil Wickham. Death looks like an empty grave Fear looks like a giant slain Trials look like gifts of grace When I look to Jesus Failure's about a victory Sin has lost its hold on me Endless love is all I see When I look to Jesus How my heart leaps How my soul sings For I know when my help comes from Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. 
to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're speaking with David Maxwell from Launceston on the topic of equipping others. Now, um, we mentioned before the break a question that we've got for you and the question is, have you ever been responsible for teaching others anything? We'd love to hear from you today. Text us in on 0488 Tell us how you teach. What are your main principles or methods that you use to teach? How did you go about it and uh, how did it work, I guess? Text us in on 0488880891. So um, on our program earlier, David, you mentioned that we're going to be talking about equipping others and uh, that, I guess, involves helping people to grow as God wants them to, modelling it uh, as Jesus did. So we need to get into this and start unpacking it. We do, we do. Look, as as I suggested, and thanks for that, Jason, we, we, pe- there's a real need for people to know what it looks like to be part of God's kingdom, um, not just when we get to heaven, but or how we prepare for it right now today. So looking to other people who are associated with God 
and are saying they are part of that kingdom is one really important way people do that. So helping us to equip them in a number of ways like Jesus did is the thing we're going to look at today. How do we do that? How did Jesus do it for his disciples? How does he plan for us to do it? But first we'll pray, and then we're going to read the passage. I'll get you to read that passage that we're going to look at today in Ephesians. Mm. Then we'll get into it. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you want to equip us to be the best that we can and help us to equip others. Lord, as we open your word today and read it, please give us understanding in your name. Amen. Amen. So Ephesians four eleven to 16, would you mind reading that in the NLT for us today, please, uh, Jason? That's the New Living Translation. Mm. Uh, it says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Thanks, Jason. That's a real others-centred passage isn't it Mm. so here we have these gifts that god's giving to the church the people in the church and there's a purpose for it and it's to be focused on others and Mm. lifting them up i I really love that so you some 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 of you have probably heard of the saying walk a mile in another person's shoes or or the original statement of that walk a mile in his moccasins You've heard that before? I have heard that, yes. Many people think that this comes from the old American Indian uh, saying, or it's in an old American Indian saying, but it's actually it's actually come from a lady by the name of Mary T. Lathrop in 1895. This lady was an American poet, a licensed preacher in the Methodist Episcopal Church um, in the 1870s. She was a temperance reformer, a suffragist. Uh, She was a busy, busy lady. She actually founded one of the suffrage organisations in Michigan. Um, For 20 years, she was identified with the progressive women of Michigan, and they had temperance, purity, and prohibition as their watchword, as well as what some people might might, uh, remember as the white ribbon. So the white ribbon was their badge, if you like. So the poem talking about walking a mile in his moccasins was originally entitled Judge Softly. Let me read it because it's really really deep. And I'll read it as quickly as I can, but hopefully you'll get a bit of meaning out of it. Mm. Judge Softly, pray. Don't find fault with the man that limps or stumbles along the road unless you've worn the moccasins he wears or stumbled beneath the same load. There may be tears in his soles that hurt, though hidden away from view, 
the burden he bears placed on your back may cause you to stumble too. Don't sneer at the man who is down today unless you have felt the same blow that caused his fall or felt the shame that only the fallen know. You may be strong, but still the blows that were his unknown to you in the same way may cause you to stagger and fall too. Don't be too harsh with the man that sins or pelt him with words or stones or disdain unless you are sure you have no sins of your own and it's only wisdom and love that your heart contains. For you know if the tempter's voice should whisper softly to you as it did to him when he went astray it might cause you to falter too. Just walk a mile in his moccasins before you abuse, criticise and accuse if just for one hour you could find a way to see through his eyes instead of your own muse. I believe you'd be surprised to see that you've been blind and narrow-minded, even unkind. There are people on reservations and in ghettos who have, ha who have so little hope and too much worry for, on their minds. Brother, but, brother, there but for the grace of God go you and I. Just for a moment, slip into his mind and traditions and see the world through his spirit and eyes before you cast a stone or falsely judge his conditions. Remember to walk a mile in his moccasins and remember the lessons of humanity taught to you by your elders. We will be known forever by the tracks we leave in other people's lives, our kindness and generosity. Take the time to walk a mile in his moccasins by Mary T. Lathrop in 1895. Mm. Jesus would often try to help those who were marginalised and outcasts from society, and perhaps it was because they were the ones that felt felt their need the most. But time and time again, disciples really didn't get it, did they? That's true. They mm. um, they were still embedded in their culture, <laughs> and we look at them and we forget to look at ourselves because we do mm. the same. Mm. True. So part of this learning experience for the disciples was to learn to listen to Jesus and come to fully understand what his mission was really all about, which being his disciples, they would naturally be learning and it would become their mission as well. So first and foremost, Jesus did the work and showed them what his kingdom was all about. Let, let me read in Acts just briefly a couple of verses in Acts chapter 10 and verse 36 to 39a. Uh, let me quickly just read a couple of verses there. The word of, uh, this is chapter 10 of Acts 36 to 39. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism of John, which he preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of these things, which he both did in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They were witnesses of what Jesus did here. He went about doing those things. So he didn't just talk about them. Mm. He actually went out and do, do, um, did them. And then in verse 42, and he commanded us to preach to the people and testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judged of the living and the dead. So he did the work, but he also got them to go out and do the work as well. Mm. 
Jesus wasn't just someone who told them to do it. He actually did it himself. So he modelled it so they would actually know what to do and they'd be able to follow his words and his actions. So following this, Jesus actually sends them out. So he tells them, he shows them, then he sends them out, like that example I used earlier. First, he, he empowers them. He gives the 12 some of the power that he has to cast out demons and be connected with God's power like that. He just sends out the 12. You see that in Luke 9. And then in Luke 10, he sends out 70 to go and do the stuff that he was doing. And, and, and generally, I see that there's four different types of learning styles. Mm. And Jesus seems to use these, in my opinion. There's the visual learner, people who um, retain information better if they see it diagrammatically or in symbols. I'm a very visual person. I know where the Bible verses are on the page. I remember that, but not necessarily the verse and, and, and chapter. Then there's the auditory learner. These people learn the best when they hear something taught. Um, then there's the reading and writing. For this group, they learn best when it's in written form. So they don't identify so much with pictures. They identify more with the words on the page. And then there's the kinesthetic learner. This person learns by taking part in the learning themselves, actually having a go at it. So um, it's, it's interesting, the writing one, I think sometimes uh, people need to write things out as well to learn, not just to read, but to actually physically write it. I know in lectures, you know, at university and other people, you know, we hmm. copy off the board to learn. Um, it's uh, nearly time for another break. Um, do you have some examples or anything about that, or will we come back after the break and talk yeah, more about it? let me just quickly mention it. So yeah. I, I would suggest that Jesus used these these methods. Visually, he would often create word pictures for people um, through parables, and this would allow people who were visual thinkers or visual learners to actually remember those lessons in their mind, in those mental pictures. There were auditory ones, hardly a place Jesus went, he didn't preach and teach. So that would, would address that. Then the reading and writing, this was important because we have the record written down for us, there was a record being kept by someone mm. as Jesus was, was doing all of this. And then kin kinesthetically, you see these examples of the 20 and the 70 that I mentioned. They went out and they were on the job training, hands-on. They got to do it. Yeah, absolutely. We see many uh, examples of, of the disciples you know, doing that directly with Jesus, and he sent mm. them out. Um, so we have a, a listener question. We'd love to hear from you today. Um, have you ever been responsible for teaching others something? If so, how did you go about it? How did it work? Text us in zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. This next song, "The Faithful Love of Jesus." And uh, this is by Hilary Scott and the Scott family.
program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're speaking with David Maxwell on his series Reflecting Jesus and we've been talking about equipping others and uh, just before the break uh, David was teaching us about how Jesus used four different methods and I guess these are very common methods for teaching. Um, one is visually through seeing, one is through hearing, another is through reading and writing, and uh, finally through physical movement and touch, you know, the actual physical act of doing things. And so they are the four primary methods, I guess, that Jesus um, used. And uh, I guess uh, we need to continue to delve into this to understand it a bit more. Yeah, that's it. I mean, what our listeners out there, what, what method... Do you learn the best from? I, I, yeah. I learn the best from actually touching, doing, mm. actually practicing it myself, and that flows through to doing studies as well. As I do studies, if I write it down, um, I, I remember it because I'm physically doing it, and as I'm physically doing it, it reinforces it in my mind. But then I also find I have this this um, visual aspect where if I'm learning something in the Bible, I, I really struggle with the uh, chapters and the verses, but I know exactly where on the page I read that. Mm. So sometimes I know, well, it's a roundabout in here. I just flick through the Bible till I see on the page where it is, and there it is, exactly where I remembered, very visual. Just just before you go on, David from Western Australia has texted in, and he says he's very visual. He says, mm. show me things. Don't, don't try to explain it to me, but show <laughs> it to me. Uh, so thanks, David, for that. Yeah. Uh, how many people have uh, given you directions? Uh, come to our place, you know, you go through the roundabout, you take the third left, and then you, you, you there's a big building, you just say, just give me the address. <laughs> I'm not interested in hearing it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, different people learn in different ways. Yeah. So clearly Jesus knew that he'd be on the earth for only just a short period of time. And it, it, he wasn't able to be most effective if he did all the work himself. Now, I mean, he, he could have it, it saved the entire then known world, okay? Mm. But it's been 2,000 years since Jesus was here. So what about the people afterwards? Mm. How was he going to be most effective for that? Who was going to reach those other people? So perhaps it was, um, perhaps it was, a deeper meaning, a deeper reasoning behind uh, Jesus actually equipping others because someone was going to have to carry that work on. But 
Maybe there's even a deeper meaning than that. Perhaps it was for the benefit of those who would be sharing it as well as for those who were going to actually hear it. Mm. So in Matthew chapter 9, there's this short passage that I feel really uh, supplies the answers to what we need as to why Jesus involved his disciples. So in Matthew chapter 9, sorry for the turning of pages, but I'm just going to quickly go there. Matthew chapter 9, 35 to 38, just three verses. And it says um, here, Matthew 9, 35 to 38, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. We'll talk about this next time. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers in his harvest. This is actually a really good verse because it contains all these verses. They contain the why of Jesus' action. You know, he did this because he had compassion on them and he did all that he could. You know, as we looked at in the last few weeks, he, he healed them physically and spiritually. That was extremely important for him, provided for their needs. And then he taught them about the kingdom of God. But he recognizes, and I know that he knew this from all eternity, he recognizes that the job is so huge that they were going to need a bigger boat. Oh, sorry, they were going to need a bigger group. Mm. Okay, they were going to need a bigger group. So Jesus states that there are plenty of people who are ready to hear the gospel. That's his observation. But there aren't enough people to go out and share it. This is what he's saying they need. They need willing and equipped workers. So the very fact that the story includes harvesters is very significant. I feel it's very relevant. Harvesters are actually taught what to do. If you're going to become a harvester, you're taught what to do. Then they don't expect you to go and do it with your hands. They give you the tools to Mm. be able to do it. Mm. All right? It's very, very relevant. So Jesus uses very practical things here. So I see a parallel here with what Jesus did and taught and then equipped his disciples to do for the work ahead of them. And it's been the same down through the ages, not just for his immediate disciples. That, that actually covers the why of Jesus' actions in teaching and equipping those who followed him because the job was too big over the, you know, the 2,000 years that were to follow. But I believe there's a much deeper reason, as I alluded to earlier. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he was trying to teach his disciples to be humble and have that others-centeredness. That's very, very important. We've talked about that a lot in the previous programs. So as Jesus teaches and equips them for ministry, it's not just so they can do the work. It's so that they will be better fitted personally. Mm. And I think that's a, that's a point we shouldn't over, overlook mm. because God is, yes, he's interested in other people, but he's interested in us as much as the other people. Mm. So he wants to prepare us with the right traits and fit us for heaven. You know, traits like patience. <laughs> do you have enough? Never enough. (laughs) Never enough. Tolerance. Every time we meet someone new, there's something else. They're great people. Everybody's, you know, got good traits about them, but there's always something about tolerance that something sometimes rubs us up the wrong way. Mm. 
And then there's compassion for others. Now, Jesus does this many, many times. In Matthew 19, um, they're so busy being adults. When the children are brought, they go, go away, go away. Jesus doesn't have time for these people. Um, But in effect, yeah, he does have time. He does have time, and he really wants to spend time with the children. And so he says, let the little children come. Don't, Don't push them away. So he teaches them compassion and tolerance. And then there's the Syro-Phoenician woman. Next, the next week's program, we're going to talk about the lost sheep of Israel. So we might touch on that a little bit. But there's this woman who is not a Jew, and she comes pleading for help. And Jesus ignores her mm. because he's trying to teach his disciples a lesson. They are ignoring those around them that aren't of their kind. And Jesus is trying to say, no, this is not how I am. Mm. So these character traits are often caught more than taught. Patience, tolerance, compassion, those sorts of things. And Jesus is getting his disciples involved in this ministry to do the work for sure, but so that they will actually be more effective in their own Christian walks as well. Mm. Now, there's, no, there's nothing better to learn something and to grow in your understanding and knowledge than to teach it yourself. <laughs> I've, mm. I've, I've found that in my experience. And uh, I think that's what Jesus was really doing. He was helping his own disciples to grow in their understanding and, and their relationship mm. with God by giving them work to do. And it's just so practical, isn't it? I, I just love Jesus and his methods. They're just so practical. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to go to another break, but uh, it's time to talk about our free giveaway today. Now, it's not a book today. It's a DVD, and it's called Eight Laws to a Better, Longer Life. I guess uh, we all want a better life. We all want perhaps a longer life, uh, as long as it's a good life. (laughs) Um, So uh, this DVD series uh, might help us in that journey to a better longer life it says being equipped for heaven includes learning how to be the best you you can be just as there are scientific laws that govern the universe there are natural laws that govern nearly all aspects of health did you know that by making certain lifestyle choices we have the ability to take control of our health and uh, literally add years to our lives we've talked about this on the program with Libby Hergen and last uh, Friday or the week before um, your prescription to a healthier happier life is uh, simply simple to understand easy to follow there's eight strategies here that are scientifically proven to optimize body mind and spirit so this dvd will cover this and it talks about things like water exercise nutrition rest sunlight air temperance trust and attitude so that's our free book giveaway uh, for today and uh, we'll give you the code right after the break but right now This is Kemi Ogendi with Everything. What I have is plenty What I have is good What I have is beautiful Thank you for it all Teach my heart contentment Teach me to be still Teach me how to rest in you For in you I am filled Only in you I am filled 
my hands are empty Nothing left to lose And yet I have everything Everything in you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lord, I have everything in you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My cup is full and running over Running over Void inside What I have is plenty What I have is good mm -hmm. What I have is also beautiful Thank you for it all What a beautiful song by Kemi Ogendi. And, uh, you know, God does give us everything we need, not just for our own benefit, but so that we can be overflowing so that we can also um, share that with others. Mm -hmm. And so today we did uh, talk about this book offer, or it's not a book offer, it's a DVD offer today, Eight Laws to a Better, Longer Life. And, of course, we want a better, longer life so that we can continue to share with other people. So the code for that today is REFLECT20, REFLECT20, no spaces. Text that into zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Just three copies of this DVD to give away today. So the first in will receive those uh, DVDs today. Um, David, so just uh, finishing up now, uh, you're explaining that um, Jesus taught and equipped his disciples so that they would both be effective in reaching others, but also mm. mature within themselves to, to grow into the people that God wanted them to be. Mm. Um, so how does that relate to us you know, today, 2,000 years later? Yeah, that's a good question, Jason. And look, some of our listeners will already have joined those dots uh, and seen how that is effective to us. But I'd like to unpack that a little bit as we finish today. Um, we're going to look in this last section of why we should do what Jesus did. You know, why, why is it? I wasn't at his mission. Why do we have to do it as well? Why should we do it as well? I'm sure, you're, I'm sure you'll remember back to a time when you had to do show and tell at school. Mm -hmm. And and while I'm giving you a moment to think, um, see if you can come up with something that's stuck in your mind about show and tell. Um, my my example, because I have so many show and tells that I had to do, I had to take craft into school and explain about different things. We didn't have pets, so I couldn't take a pet in. The thing that stuck in my mind was much later in life when I shared a children's story about the theory of flight. You know, I spent nine years in the Air Force and I learned all that rigorously. But but bringing, bringing this topic to children, I knew it was going to go way over their heads. They weren't going to understand how you can make a piece of metal fly up in the air and stay up there. So I, I thought the best thing to do would be actually bring an aircraft model. I brought a, um, an aircraft model in to church and I showed them 
how it actually worked. And I thought that was going to stick in their mind a lot better than if I had just tried to explain it. Mm. Um, I certainly think that that for adults, that's much more effective as well. Do you have an example that stuck in your mind of a of a, like a show and tell? I, if you didn't, if you well, don't, that's okay. I can only remember the. I, I used to love show and tell. I think you know everyone, or well, many people, you know, they wanted to get picked. They wanted to have their opportunity to show something special. I can't remember a specific time, but I do remember the feeling about being excited about showing something to somebody. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It is exciting, isn't it? Something mm. that means a lot to you, you want to come and show it to everyone else. That's right, yeah. Yeah, that's it. So, look, as we support those who've joined us in following Jesus, just as he taught, showed, then engaged people in ministry, we should reflect that example because if we're his followers, we do what he did. You know, he gave us examples. So I've called this next little section Tell and Show. Not show and tell. <laughs> Not show and tell. Because Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples, and he actually wrote about the importance of speaking up for our faith. And this is, um, you find this in First Peter uh, chapter 3 and verse 15. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. I'm reading this from the uh, New King James. First Peter chapter 3 verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That's fear as in respect, not in shaking in your boots. Mm. This isn't some proud boasting or shouting from the streets or, you know, Bible bashing people. This verse is talking about, now, that might be, you know, what God wants us to do in other avenues of, of ministry. But here, Peter is talking about this quiet state of readiness, if you like, mm. knowing what you believe and being ready, always ready to speak and defend your faith. And I've um, and tell people why you're being, why you're a Christian, why you're a follower of Jesus. Now, I, I've found personally that if I prepare in the mornings and I ask God to give me an opportunity during the day, it, it happens. Mm. He gives me an opportunity often, and that happened even just this week. You know, this week um, I was I was doing something and uh, in my ministry, and I, I came across somebody who was a uh, a child well, an adult grown child my age, of, of, of some people we knew on the mainland um, and we still know on the mainland. And it was, it was an incredible God moment where he obviously arranged for this to happen. Mm. Um, and being ready to share is a very important part of that. In time, as others make their own decisions to follow Jesus, we are then able to graciously show them how to live the way God wants us to live. This does two things. First, it helps them become more mature Christians. And secondly, it reinforces that behavior in, um, in our own lives. And I believe this is why Jesus wants us to do it. Mm. Um, you've heard the saying, practice makes perfect. Yes. Well, <laughs> I, I just want to reinforce here that it's not the actions that make us right with God. Okay, I want, I want to be sure that people are understanding what I'm saying here. God isn't telling up all the good things and all the bad things, weighing them up and saying, yep, he's good enough. That, that the saying practice makes perfect doesn't apply to salvation in that sense per se. 
Rather, what I'm speaking about here is repeating an action so it becomes natural and familiar. Then we can become more effective disciples ourselves. Let me ask, does a horse pull a cart to become a horse or does the horse pull a cart because it's a horse? It pulls a cart because it's a horse. It certainly does, yep. Right? So we behave like Christians because we're followers of Jesus, not to become followers of Jesus. Mm. And to me, I think that's just really simple, but we often mix that up. We think if we pull the, if we pull the cart long enough, we'll become a horse. Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's not true. So I bring you back to the opening illustration that I talked about, walking a mile in his moccasins. The essence of that poem was really to teach empathy and to help people be more understanding of others, less judgmental. And I see the same with the way Jesus asks us to build up or edify, as the Bible says, or equip them, as the, the verse that we opened with. In 1 Corinthians fourteen twelve, Paul encourages the Corinthian believers to be eager for the spiritual gifts, but not just, you know, for their own purposes, not just so that, hey, look, I healed five people today. You know, it was for the sake of actually lifting up or edifying and equipping other people. That's what the gifts were given for. And yes, there's a growth in ourselves as that happens, but that's not the primary reason for it. It's also reinforced by the passage we read earlier, and we're, run, we're out of time, so I won't reread it. But our spiritual gifts are for the benefit of equipping other people. That's the importance of the spiritual gifts. Mm. The primary reason for them, not just for building up ourselves. How are you using your spiritual gifts? Do you even know what they are? If not, please get in touch, send us a text, you know, put, put some comments in there. And we'll see if we can connect you with some resources that will help you identify your spiritual gifts and then be able to use them. It's been really good sharing this topic today. It's a great topic, and I, I do love that passage of Scripture because uh, it makes it so clear that that God does give us those gifts for a reason, mm. for a purpose. And I love the, uh, the um, imagery, I guess, or the uh, model of a body, you know, that everybody mm. works together. Each doing different things, but fitting together, and uh, for the others, that's uh, for the benefit of others and for the whole. And uh, yeah, it's certainly a wonderful model that Christ gave us there. Mm. Um, so, uh, David, um, great program today. What have you got for us next week? Yeah, we're still looking at reflecting Jesus. We're going to start on a, a short section, four or five uh, series, looking at valuing everyone. What 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 does it mean to value everyone? How did Jesus do it? How does he want us to do it? And we're going to look at the topic, the lost sheep. That's the first one we're going to look at in that group. Okay. Now, just remind us again about the Northern Couples Enrichment Program that you've got coming up. Northern Couples Enrichment, Sunday the 18th of September. Please get in touch uh, or get in touch with your local church and make sure that they have booked if you want to come. There are limited seats um, and you don't want to miss out on this couples enrichment. And, of course, you can text us in on our number 0488880891 if you've got any queries about that. If you're listening up in the north uh, part of the state, certainly do that. And uh, where will you be speaking next, David? Yeah, I'll be in Georgetown on the 3rd of September and Scottsdale on the 10th of September. And this week we have 
Pastor Nick Cross is coming to Tasmania and he'll be speaking in a number of venues. Awesome. Tomorrow we've got Tamika Spalding uh, joining us with God Has the Answer. It's a great program. Join us tomorrow. This is Carly Fletcher with Love One Another. Have a great day. May God be with you. you